I had a friend who made kwento. Um, he was in Babel. I forgot if this was high school now or college. Mm-hmm. But he was in Babel. And I know he went to a chess um, event of Ateneo to cheer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but what happened was, I don't know if he was kicked out. But for sure, he, he's, he mentioned that he was cheering. I, I Okay, I, I'm not super accurate with the facts. But I know it was either every Atenean move. Or every Atenean, uh, when 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 the Ateneo player eats uh, a piece of the opponent, I really hope it was the eating because that's at least parang may nagawa. I suppose to like just a normal move. Yeah, <laughs> but so. Hi everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of the Sports Season Podcast, where we get to know the sports that you know about and those that you should know about. My name is Giga Season, and for this episode, we're going to take it to the board and talk about chess. Our guest for today is a former team captain of the Ateneo chess team and an arena grandmaster or AGM, Mr. Gavin Ong. Hey Gavin, first of all, it's nice to meet you and thank you for guesting today. Nice to meet you too, Jigo. I'm happy to be here on the, on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we've been um, we've been in quarantine for these past few or many months. Um, what what have you been up to over over these you know this long this long time? Oh, okay. So actually, I was in uh, doing a lot of things during during quarantine. Um, but during the early days of the quarantine, like when March um, February hit, and then classes were were put to a stop, I I thought about what what other things I can do. Well, of course, thesis was still there, right? So. We had to worry about thesis and everything, but at the same time, um, I was also thinking about improving my chess because um, we had too much free time at home. Um, while everyone was baking goods, while everyone was like you know selling food in their house in their homes, right? Um, I was actually reading a lot of books and trying to catch up on my um, chess because I didn't have that much time in school to to do all of, any of that. Um, actually, also during that that period around April and May. That's when I actually got the arena title, the arena title. Because when um, I'll, I'll go into that later, right? So yeah, um, I was able to chase that title over the time when I was um, um, during the quarantine period. So yeah, um, towards June and July, I was trying to find work, but um, I felt that well, I I needed uh, I needed to help the family business, so I ended up going there and helping out there in the family business. So I'm sort of like juggling. Um, chess toward the family business and also I have time to exercise more you know so I also do yeah yeah um, I work out I go to the gym um, yeah so I, I have a small gym here set up yeah um because actually the, the reason I, I invited you to be the guest is I saw your post on Ateneo Trade mm-hmm. um, you know I, th- I think you're you're offering um, chess lessons right yes so because yes. th- I think start of quarantine um, my parents bought a new chess board. So me and my mm. little brother would play a lot. So I was thinking, I was mm. like, I mean, I always, of course I always beat him, but <laughs> um, I was thinking of taking lessons because I was like, you mm. know, it'd be pretty cool. It seems like something that that would be interesting to learn and something that would be nice to have in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I invited you because um, I feel like chess has been on the rise with Queen's Gambit mm. um, being such a hit on Netflix. But, you know, we'll, um, I'll ask more about that later. Um, so, but yeah, that's basically the gist of, um, you know, why I, how I got to know you also. Um, so, um, going back to, you know, how we're still in quarantine and still in lockdown mm-hmm. compared to, I guess, most, if not, you know, all the sports, 
um, chess, I think, for me at least, would be one, one of the, if not the least affected by the pandemic. It's, it seems like there was such a smooth transition to, to yes. online tournaments. You know, would yes. you agree? I, I would totally agree with you. Um, before the lockdown, we had so many tournaments over the board um, online. Ah, we saw so many over the board tournaments here and there in the Philippines. Ever since the pandemic hit, it was so fast for the tournaments to transition to an online setting. So the national leg um, tournaments are being played also online. And then the, the federation tournaments are also being played online. So everything was really fast. Yeah. Since yeah. The, the, um, okay. But is there, I guess, like a difference, um, you know, playing online as opposed to playing face-to-face? What's the, is there a difference in, I guess, your approach or just in, in the environment in general? Oh, okay. So with regards to, actually, people have been um, asking me the same question in the past. My friends, actually, they asked me, oh, Gavin, what's the difference with playing online and playing physically over the board, right? Yeah. Well, the main difference, normally, so you can see when you hold pieces, um, when you touch them, that, that's when you actually feel, feel you get to play, you get to feel, immerse yourself in the sport mm-hmm. more. Unlike if you play online, you don't get to really feel the pieces. You get to only do is hold a mouse or a trackpad yeah. and you just move the pieces all over, right? So there's a, there's a huge difference as well. So it's also not really in the game itself, but I think okay. it's more psych- psychologically, right? So mm. if I were to ask you, um, if you're going to play, let's say you're a basketball player, right? So I, also, yeah. I actually also follow a lot of basketball. So imagine if you're um, a basketball player and you don't get to see your opponent face-to-face. I, I know that's yeah, impossible, yeah. right? Especially in basketball. <laughs> but um, it's different when you see your opponent right in front of you. Yeah. There, there's a different For impact sure. to you psychologically. There's a different impact to you with the game you play and the way you prepare. Like, for example, if you're playing a casual game outside, um, compared to when you're actually playing a, a league game, it, it, it feels different, eh? the, yeah. the way you play. So I guess that's the main difference. Because online, you can hide your face. You don't need to show your face in front of a yeah, lot of yeah. people, right? So that's the main difference, yes. Okay. I wouldn't say one I, is I guess... easier over the other, yeah. yeah I wouldn't yeah. say one is easier. It's just different, yes. I think, well, maybe maybe not easier, but I think compared, like, let's say to basketball, if you're practicing shooting over, like, um, let's say, like a standee as mm-hmm. compared to an actual person who's, like, right um, chasing after you, maybe yes. that's kind of similar to that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, um, I guess a follow-up for that, would is there um, an intimidation factor when you play chess? Like, obviously, now you said that you can hide your face, right? Yes. Um, when you're actually in a face-to-face competition, is there some sort of because in other sports, obviously there's like um, um, trash talk, there's um, mm-hmm. stare downs. I don't think yes. you can trash talk in chess. I don't. I don't think that would be allowed. But is there that kind of um, dynamic um, when you're playing face-to-face? Mm. So actually, if you've seen Queen's Gambit, Beth tends to trash talk a lot, right? Um, especially yeah. during her casual games, right? Well, in real in real life chess, that doesn't happen. Um, there's really not much trash talking you can do because that can be caught as um, called as distraction, or yeah, okay. it can be you can call the arbiter and call for distraction. But um, in terms of in terms of what you're talking about, like the face to face and all of that, yes, I think there is a level of intimidation because um, well, I've been reading a lot of books, right? And I'd like to quote one of the books that I read. It's by who's this? Jeremy Selman. So he's an international master in the U.S. And he said something in his book about, um, you know, chess is like a caste system. You know, you know the, the Hindu caste system where you have the, you have the, the Vaisha, the Kshatriya, all these things, yeah. the Brahmins, you know. In similar in chess, we have the GM, we have the IM. 
we have the FM, we have the CM, and we have all these rankings. And if you see your opponent, like, wow, my opponent is like this high. Because in chess, you can measure how strong you are. In, in basketball, yeah. people know that, oh, I'm playing against, for example, um, LeBron James in the Lakers, right? Oh, I, I know that, that this team is strong. So there's already a psychological impact on you before you even play the game. I mean, yeah. you can try to mitigate that, definitely. But at the same time, like, well, that's one of the aspects that people tend to overlook because it's abstract. It's not very, it's not very physical. It's not, it's not, not really very physical in terms, it doesn't show itself. But you can feel it before the game. You will try to search your opponent and you try to look at who, who they are. You get to see their rating, their title, and their achievements and it just like gets you it either motivates you to to beat that person or it intimidates you so you have to choose which one it how it would impact you for me example um in my third season in season 81 uh, i volunteered to handle the first board Ateneo, and you normally the first board are where all the the, the best players of the schools are yeah. i volunteered for that spot i mean it's really a difficult it's really a difficult task because the people i play against were, were what um, Olympic players, people of the mm. national team, and all, all that stuff, right? And rather than get intimidated, my only thought was like, this guy is strong. So why, why should I feel scared? I should feel happy if I get to beat this guy. So it's kind yeah. of like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, aside from that, um, within quarantine, I saw, you know, you have like this, you have a YouTube channel, if I'm not mistaken, mm. right? Yes. Um, I saw that you had a video where you played a virtually against. Uh, what is it? A virtual Beth Harmon? Yes, yes. Is that right? Yeah. So how do, how mm. does that work? I mean, obviously it's not actually it's not yes. actually her, but um, how does like so it's like her, parang her style of play. Um, what's the how does that work when you're playing against um her? You know. Ah, uh, okay. So Chess.com is actually one of the major chess servers online where you can play, and a lot of the best chess players in the world are also playing on that server. So chess.com, it's called chess.com. And they created this virtual bot, the Beth Harmon um, bot, where they programmed a computer to basically play like her. Okay. So um, there are different strengths, like her at age 8, at age 9, 10, okay. 11, and then 15. I forgot the ages, but like yeah, yeah. the rating goes from all the way from 800 to 2,700. Wow. Yeah. So you get to choose the difficulty if level you want to play. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, now, you know, I usually like to start off the interviews by, you know, talking about the game itself, the sport itself, um, especially with complicated sports. I had my guest for baseball, like you mentioned, uh, yes. like we were talking about. So Javi was, had to explain the sport because, but I mean, I've watched the game, but it's really, it's, it's kind of hard to understand. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's the, the case with chess, as long as you, you know, start off with learning the rules. Because I, I mean, it's something that you could kind of pick up um, at least the basics from a young age, because I, I learned it when I was was pretty young. So um, so I, I my initial assessment was that you know I wasn't super so so much of a beginner, but you know mm. I kind of knew a little more advanced stuff, like some stuff that most beginners wouldn't. So like obviously you can um, castle the king, for example, you can move the pawn an extra space for the first move. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one post that I stumbled upon on Facebook, I think a few weeks or a few months ago, that um, if you move the pawn, the extra space for your first move, they can mm. move the, how do you explain it? Like they can move the their pawn to the, the skipped spot. Yes. Is that yeah. accurate? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's called, eat and... the to eat the pawn. Yes. 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 That's okay. actually true. Mm-hmm. It's called end pasant. 
Okay. Wow. In French, then, it's so a French word. technically don't skip, bale. Um, actually, the word en passant is a French a French word. And it comes from, if you translate it to English, it means passing. So what does it okay. mean by passing? Like you don't actually hit the actual square where the pawn is. But assuming like, because pawns can move to two squares in the first first try, right? It's, it's, it's not a normal normal way a pawn moves. So in the chess rules, if a pawn moves two squares, you can still capture it as if it had moved one square, if you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what... Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> that's a, I'll take note of that the next time I play my little brother. <laughs> okay. Um, one more thing that I wanted to clarify was um, um, obviously when you're playing casually, you know, it's, it's just... A normal game, but then competitively there's a timer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. How much time are you given? And does that mean like if your time goes down, you really have to rush towards the end? Okay, so there are actually three way up, uh, three, four. There are four types of chess um, variants in terms of time. The one that we play in UAAP, which one I'll start first, is the classical chess. So that one is really long game. We start at 1 p.m. and we end at around 5. So that's a four, hour, four hours for one single game. And each player gets one and a half hours plus 30 seconds increment. Increment is like additional time. So okay. example, you make a move, you get additional 30 seconds for each move you make. So the time can go up and up. So that's mm-hmm. one hour and 30 plus 30. And then after classical, we have the second variant. It's called rapid, which most, um, most tournaments in the Philippines are rapid actually. They normally range from 30 minutes, 25 minutes, instead of one and a half hours. So it's much shorter. Um, it's not as fast as Blitz. So the next one is Blitz, which is normally five minutes, three minutes. Those are really, really fast games, right? So that yeah. um, doesn't mean the game has to finish in three minutes. You have three minutes to, to you have to conserve three minutes within your specific um, game. So your game, let's say you're playing a game. You have three minutes to to play the entire game for yourself and your opponent has his has his or her own three minutes or five minutes yeah. mm-hmm. and the last one which is only special to online chess which is it's called bullet bullet chess which okay. is i think physically impossible in physical chess but it's possible <laughs> yeah but it's not it's not um recognized um professionally because it's just too fast that's like one minute or two minute chess like you just fling you just like People pieces will be flying here and there, you know, because like it's really fast. Like if the time, because if your time runs out, you lose the game, regardless of the yeah. position. Unless let's say the position is surely drawn, like there are two kings, then that's even if your time runs out, then it's still a draw. But yeah. nonetheless, the worst possible outcome will happen to you if your time runs out. So what's the um, I don't know what the FIFA World Cup equivalent of chess would be, but what what kind of timer do they use? Oh, okay. So, the the main brand for for the chess sets are DGT. Uh, I don't know what it stands for. I just know it's DGT. And the um, like for basketball, we have FIBA as the yeah, yeah, yeah. governing governing body of che- of basket, right? So in chess, we have FIDE, F I D E. That's the okay. uh, governing body of chess internationally. It stands for actually it's French. Federation de, I don't know international the I don't know how to speak French, of course, but yeah. <laughs> it just stands it just stands for International Chess Federation in English. So okay. it's it's FIDE, yes. F-I-D-E. No, so, yeah. So what um what time? Um like you you mentioned the four four um classes of time for um mm-hmm. 
What do you call ah, it? Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I misunderstood your question. Okay. So, um, for, for FIDE, normally, um, the tournaments are in Blitz, Rapid, or Classical. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's, it's, it's really three different ones, by the way. There, there are usually events for Blitz. There are events for okay. Rapid. There are events for Class. So, you have three different ratings for that. Okay. So, not like one rating for all. Because of course you okay. may use some people are strong in blitz because they they play really fast and their mind processes things really fast, right? Yeah. But there are players who take their time to think, but are very solid players, so they're they're good at classical. But in terms of blitz, they may be a bit slow, so it it differs. Their rating really differs from, um, from the from time control. Yes. Okay. Um. Okay. So aside from that, you know what. Something I also never really fully understood was, you know, how the rankings in chess work. Mm. You uh, mentioned that you are an AGM or an Arena Grandmaster, mm. um, if I'm not mistaken. So, could you give us like a quick explanation of how these ranks um, and how the system itself works? All right. So, in because FIDE or the that federation uses the ELO system, which is a number a number that is assigned to your strength. So, for example. Um, your because like usually normally chess players will will range among 800 for beginners usually your rating will be around 800 and it goes all the way to 2900 or 2800 to that level so that's the range of all chess players in the world 2900 is like world champion already mm. um 800 is like starting out the beginner the beginner stage right and it, the more the more you win games the more your rating goes up so imagine when I was mentioning earlier, tying back to the answer I made a while ago about the caste system. Imagine if you're, let's say, you're, you're 15 or 1600, and then you see your opponent is like 23 or 24. Wouldn't you feel sort of like intimidated? Like, whoa, I'm playing this guy that's 800 points higher than me. Like, that's a, that's a big difference, yeah. right? So people can, man, can physically see the difference in front of you. Unlike basketball, you can have a lucky shot. You know, maybe you're playing against Steph Curry. You can have a lucky shot. But yeah. like... In chess, you can really see the person's strength right in front of him in um, num in number form, right? So um, normally the FIDE titles is achieved by achieving a certain rating. So for Grandmaster, you need to achieve a rating of 2,500. For International Master, you need 2,4. And then FIDE Master, you need 2,3. Candidate Master, you need 2,2. And so on and so forth. Now, this Arena Grandmaster title is actually um, a title earned online. Um, since... Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, chess is different over the board and online, right? So mm -hmm. FIDE created separate titles for online chess. Um, okay. So they, they have the Arena Grandmaster, Arena International Master, Arena FIDE Master, and then Arena Candidate Master. So they're online counterparts. I played in their server online and yeah, that's how I got the title. So you get, um, you garner points by through the tournaments, right? Playing tournaments or, and playing against other people. Like, just match, you get matched up against someone stronger. And if you win, example, then your rating goes up. If you lose yeah. against someone, it goes down. So it's just like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, aside from, um, okay, for example, in other sports, um, I guess you can see, um, you can, can kind of scout someone like, straight up like if i went up against steph okay not, not steph curry but like if i went up against some guy that was like seven foot obviously mm -hmm. i'd expect him to um i don't know dominate inside the post um yes yes so so like even if i don't know anything about him before that um you can kind of see the physical disparity you can kind of see um the, the advantage that he would have 
Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, and like um, like I mentioned earlier, I was a table tennis player also. There are different styles of table tennis players. There's some that are defensive. There's some that are more offensive. Um, is there like that kind of equivalent um, when we talk about chess? Like, um, obviously, you, you already mentioned that you know you can see their ranking. So that's um, that's a good gauge. But like, let's say, I don't know. There were there some movies where some people just meet up in the park to play chess. Yeah. So like, let's say, let's say you had like a pickup chess game, for example. Mm-hmm. Could you kind of gauge their skill level or their style of play just from their first move or just from their first few moves? Like, would you know, like, okay, this is what this guy is planning to do, or like, this is how this guy plays? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I get your question. That sometimes you meet people and you're not sure how strong they are, right? And it happens a lot of times. You just see someone and you play with them. But um, to answer your question on that, yes, actually, the first few moves, sometimes you can tell how good a person is. Maybe one, their confidence before they play yeah. the game. So that, that tells a lot about you. If you, if, you, if you exude confidence when you play your first few moves, it shows that you, are, that you, are, you know what you're doing, right? Because, you know, if, imagine if you play against a beginner, then the beginner starts to hold, let's say, he has a board in front of you. Well, I can't show a board right now. But imagine... If he touches the queen and say, "Oh, I don't want to move this," and then maybe I'll, you know, if this, if you're kind of um, thinking, then you'll be like, "Oh, this person probably doesn't know what he or she is doing." Yeah. But if you if if you if you see a person really concentrating and really putting in the effort to to think and just um, immersing him or her, him, like you can tell a person's a chess player if the way he the way he he acts in front of the board, you know, like because they have a certain body language that they exude, you know, okay. something like that. But more, but more than more, more than that, I I think that um, I, I think that chess that chess players overall like they have their own play style, so they choose openings. Like yeah. sometimes they play the the Spanish game or they play the London game, Italian game. There are different or Evans Gambit or Kings Gambit, all these things, right? So they all have different personalities, and they really show what kind of player are you. For example, si Beth Sicilian player siya. If you watch the series, Sicil- he, she loves Sicilian and Mr. Scheibel taught her the Sicilian. And if you're yeah. aware of the Sicilian, de- the Sicilian defense, then you, you're, you can somewhat feel what kind of player Beth is, right? What kind of style she wants. Does she want a more passive game? Or not really passive, sorry, that's a wrong word. Maybe a more defensive game because passive is negative. So maybe more defensive or maybe more offensive or maybe she wants a tactical game, a positional game. So that kind of thing, yes. Okay. Um, is there a um, for, would would a player generally stick to a certain one style? Like, for example, if you went up, like, because you were able to scout um, the players before before you play them, especially mm-hmm. in UAAP, for example. Yes. Do you? I, I don't know. Do they or do you change styles based on who you're against, or is it like um, you know playing to your strength? Like, okay, this is my strategy, and then I'll just um, in game. Mm-hmm. That's a very good question, actually. So uh, I actually it's very relevant because I read a book also on Mark Dvoretsky. This is a he's a Russian, one of the famous Russian chess coaches. So it's my favorite, one of my idols. See, Mark is is way way past our time. He's back. He's like he goes way back. But uh, Mark Dvoretsky said it perfectly in 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 his book. I won't uh, this the book the book titled is Secrets of Chess Training. So. Right. Okay. So for what for what Mark Dvoretsky said, normally because chess players have their strengths and their deficiencies, and everyone does. 
Um, that's what separates humans from computers. But but more more away from that. Um, normally, because like for example, you if you're meeting someone, do you change who you are when you meet someone? Like I I'll, uh, I'll maybe ask after back the question to you. Like let's say you're meeting some you're meeting let's say your friend and one day suddenly you decide to change who you are in front of your friend. That doesn't yeah. seem so natural, right? And it will yeah. show it will show on the board that I'm not yes, used to yes. this. Right. So yeah. what what Mark Devoretsky says in his book is when you're fighting someone and you know their strengths and their deficiencies, maybe you can learn the the pattern that that they're uncomfortable with. That's possible. But at the yeah. same time, also you should not stray away too much from your own personality. Like um, coaches will tell you, oh, this is the this is the best move. Oh, this is the best the best opening. This is the best play style. We have we have. Had those instances where we were we were recommended as players to try this style, right? And after we've tried it several times, it never really suited us. So why would we continue pushing for it if we know we're comfortable with the things that we are used to? You know what I mean? Yeah, I get. Okay, because parang um, you know you could like try to play to their disadvantage, but would it really be to your advantage? Kind of like that. Because right? you can suffer from it too, from shifting away yeah. from yes. Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't be as comfortable, okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. So, uh, about how many was that? Two episodes, I think, ago, I had um, dancers um yes. on on the podcast. So, um, what I asked the main question I had there was because it wasn't really a big debate, but there's like um a conflict of like, is it a dance? Uh, is it a dance? Is it a sport or is it an art? Mm-hmm. Um. Now. Chess is obviously, um, you know, it's it's recognized by the International Olympic Committee. Um, I think there was like already a pitch for it to be in the Olympics, and there's another pitch for the for the next the next Olympics already. Um, and of course, you know, locally, it's already in the UAAP. So you know, I don't think it's a debate on whether or not it's a sport. But there, um, I I'm sure you would also admit that some people are surprised um, when they find out that chess is considered a sport. Some mm-hmm. some people. Um, I guess in, so. I wanted to ask you, you know, why why do you think um, chess is a sport? Oh, okay, that's a very good question. Too very good question. Um, back in 2015, uh, I met with the first Asian grandmaster. In first Asian grandmaster is actually Filipino. I don't know if you know him, um, Grandmaster Eugene Torre. So yeah. he's one of the the legends of the Philippines. First Asian grandmaster, and he asked me the same question too. He asked me, "Is chess a sport?" And um, I didn't know what to answer then because I was younger. So he he answered the question. He answered the question for me. Now I don't exactly remember what he said anymore because it was over five years ago. But what I can tell you about the game of chess is it's transitioned. It's transitioned to become a lot of things. You know, from the time it began, all the way to today. Right now, you see people use playing it as an esport already. Like you see, it, yeah. you see it on Twitch. You see it. On YouTube, you see it everywhere, right? But chess is a sport, ultimately a sport. Is I think because there's always this spirit of competition. You know, that's what makes a sport a sport, right? Um, basketball, we have two teams playing against each other, and people yeah. are entertained by watching it, which makes it a sport. Same same thing as chess. Um, there are two people playing, and people people watch, people get entertained by it. So that just goes to show it's a sport. Now, normally people will say, but it's not a sport because there's no physical exertion. It's like they yeah. say sports need to have a little bit of uh, physical element to it, right? 
And people say, oh, chess is all mental. There's no physical mm-hmm. aspect of it, right? But actually, that's not true. Um, our coaches would always tell us, especially in Ateneo, that your, your body and your mind is one. You know, when you play chess, you need to be healthy physically. You know, you need to have a good, you need to have good diet, still similar to all other athletes who, who train, especially basketball athletes and football athletes. They eat, they eat, they have their own diet, right? Similar yeah. to chess players, like I have my own diet too. I maintain a diet, so I make sure when I when I play, I'm in the best condition possible. Or because imagine if you're sleepy, or you came from work, or you came from school, and you're really tired, mm-hmm. would you want to play? I don't think so, right? Um, true, true. It goes to show, goes to show, like chess is not only mental; it's also physical. So we have, you know, physical training as well from time to time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, I I actually wanted to get into your training, but. Um... We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, okay. I wanted to start. I wanted to start. I wanted to continue with um, now with y- your your how you got um, into chess. You know what what was I don't know maybe not the first um, time, but you know how did you how did you get into playing the sport? Okay, so in Xavier normally, well, it starts actually grade two. We have this guidance counselor, um, Mr. Abrahina. So. If he listens to this podcast, I want to let him know that he was one of the people who, who pushed me to play. He was uh, our guidance counselor in grade two. And in his office, because in his, his office was air-conditioned, so a lot of us really loved to go there. And he had, he had toys there. Yeah. Like he, had, um, he had blocks there. He had, um, he had jack stones and all that stuff in his office. And people like to swarm, swarm there during break time to, to play and just hang out there. Mm. One thing he had there was a chess set. And people would swarm that chess set all the time and they'd start playing. They'd start moving and all that. And people had so much fun. Like there would be around 30 people or 40 people in his office at one time. To the point even outside, it was crowded already. So I was like, what's this sport? What's this? I was like, what are you guys playing? What's this game? And then one of, one of the, the people there said, oh, it's chess. And I was like, what's chess? So that's kind of like what got me. I started in grade two. And that's what got okay. me kind of hooked to the game. I asked my dad to teach me. And from there, like, he kept on beating me over and over again. I couldn't take that, that, that fact. So, like, I kept on, like, learning myself, you know, um, trying to find ways to beat him. And after, as, as the time went by, by grade five, I was invited to play in the varsity as a, as a role, like a bench, a bench player, perhaps. Like, in yeah, case yeah. someone was absent, I would sub in. So, in okay. grade five, I started playing um, sort of competitively already. And from there, it just, uh, and just soared all the way from there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, you're mentioning that you know you started out in Savior. Um, um, I was a basketball player before, um, grade school, palang. So you know, I know I've played against Savior, and you know they have an amazing basketball program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you know, not even just Savior, but just gen- in general, being the Philippines basketball is obviously a a huge, probably the the biggest um yes. sport. So, um, and me and my batchmates, you know, I could see it. From recess and lunch, palang, that everyone, almost everyone, if not everyone, gravitated towards the sport. Everyone played, had already had played at least once, or had tried out the sport, or had tried to succeed in the sport. Um, I guess I wanted to ask, palang, what was it about chess that, you know, made? I don't know if you you tried you gravitated toward towards basketball also, but you know why why what made you stick stick to chess instead? Mm-hmm. Actually, I played a lot of basketball in high school too. Um, you know, my favorite, 
<laughs> like I remember the days when I'd play in the the gym wearing leather shoes and yung khaki pants yeah, yeah. and with like a sando, yeah. So that was how how we used to play after school, after dismissal, or during lunch break. I'm I'm actually the one who always brings the the ball. So during okay. break, during high school, I was like so into basketball. So I played with my friends. But why did I choose chess in the end? I think it's just because I'm I think I'm better at it. Like, um, okay. yeah. So like basketball, there's too many people that are good at it already. Like we have That's a true. big community yeah. there, but. Chess, there seems to be more in store for me, you know. Like I think yeah. I can, I can really achieve more in, in chess rather than basketball. I play it with my friends, yeah, but for um, sure, for sure. yeah, for sure, yeah. But like for in terms of chess, I really feel there's more, more fulfillment. There's more, mm-hmm. more to learn. There's more room for me to grow in the sport yeah. than and basketball more opportunity or other sports. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, um, there are a lot of um, movies about kid geniuses um, or like sometimes sometimes they would think they're special children and then they realize that they're actually uh, I think I, I know there was this one movie where I saw they thought um, there was a special child who, but um, who was playing like with salt shakers in a restaurant Yin pala, mm-hmm. it was some sort of um, it was some you know, some chess um, um, in his head or something like that um, so usually up you know, kid genius movies it's either they're super good at math or they they secretly know how to play chess. Um, I don't know if this is a silly question, but um, how likely is it that if you're good at chess, you're extremely smart? Mm, okay, this is an interesting question, and I'd like to answer this by saying that. But the bottom line for me is, whatever you practice at, that's what you get good in. You practice in chess, you get good at chess. You you excel. You practice. Let's say. Example, if you're preparing for a math test, you start studying calc, you prepare, you prepare well for the test, you'll do well. You're studying law, as long as you keep on um, digesting more cases and um, studying, studying law, continuing to do what you do, then the more you get good at it. So I feel like IQ and chess, like there's, I think there's somewhat of a correlation, but it's not very clear because I feel that most of the time, whatever you practice in, that's what you just really get good at. Like, I don't think if you're, if let's say, for example, um, doesn't mean you're a good physicist, you're a good mathematician. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's different. Or yeah. if, doesn't mean you're a good English speaker or you're good at analyzing things. You're a good accountant. It's uh, different mm-hmm. things. Or lawyer, for example. Like, actually, you know, chess stud, a chess player and the profession of law is actually very intertwined to each other. And in my chess team, we have one, two, we have three people who are take who are in law school. So, okay. why 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 do I think that way? Because studying law and chess actually has a lot of um, similarities. Because if for you guys you digest a lot of cases, right, and you <laughs> read a lot, read a lot. For the same thing, we go for chess. Imagine how many games there are. There are over hundred or hundred million, or I don't know how many games there are. I have mm-hmm. a database on my computer with over twenty million games, classical games from from Russians, Americans. Um, Indians and all these other um, great countries who play chess and the great um, icons, and I study them. You know, similar mm-hmm. to how you, how you digest cases, I study games, or previous yeah. games, and I try to mimic—not really mimic entirely, but try to uh, try to adapt their their style and their train of thought. Uh, similar to to studying for law. So, lang. So I feel like I think yeah. if I studied law, I don't know how I would be. But like for you, you're a lawyer. If you practice law, I think you'll get good at law. But doesn't necessarily mean you can do the same for chess. But yeah. maybe perhaps okay. if you study chess, you might have a better advantage at studying chess because mm-hmm. you have the mindset already. 
but doesn't necessarily mean you're good at it too. You know what I mean? It's yeah. different. Okay. Yes. I get it. Okay. Um, um, in line with that, I wanted to ask then, um, how, how do you guys train? Because for example, um, we look at basketball players, we look at, okay, let's use basketball players. You know, there's, there's a lot of different aspects. There's conditioning, um, because it's a team sport, they have to practice the plays and then they have to practice their skills individually. But, um, you know, what's the, what's the training regimen like when you're a chess player or, you know, with you guys in Ateneo? Mm-hmm. Okay, so our, our program um, composes of um, studying, for studying three different aspects of chess. We have, that, we have the tactical aspect. So we do puzzles for that. Uh, we solve, like we have boards with positions and then we would write down a solution. For example, in this position, it's white to play or black to play and win. Find the best move for, for white and black. And then he would submit our answers to coach and he would check them. So that's how we train for tactics. Finding out combinations like sacrifices, um, all these things. Second, we have the positional understanding. So we try to um, improve our positional understanding by looking at classical games, reading books, studying, um, the, studying the masters and all these things. So we try to see why did this move, how did this example, how did this knight move contribute to him winning the winning the game overall? And how important is this knight move in terms of the entire game? Something like that, those kind of things. So mm-hmm. we analyze games. We and by doing that, we actually read books. So um, we have the books that we read. And third is actually studying of one's own games. Because of course, like in basketball, you need to watch game film to see what you yeah. did, what what you did and what you didn't do in the game, right? Similar thing in chess, but what's better about chess is you have the paper with you. You have the exact moves that you played and you can easily review it on the spot. So what mm-hmm. we do, we, we replay the games and check, oh, um, at move nine, I, create, I, I, I caused some kind of mistake that um, gave up this certain, um, certain square to my opponent and it caused me to lose or it caused me to, to give up my advantage, that kind of thing. Or at the same time, our opponent. So let's say your opponent creates a mistake too and then you're like, oh, my opponent made this, made this mistake here in this, let's say, move 10. He, he, he replied with my bad move, with another bad move. So we both played bad moves in this, in this scenario. And it, it looked like it was completely fine to both of us, right? So those kind of yeah. things, the minute stuff. Yeah, so that's okay. how we, we train. But there's actually one part of training where we don't, I don't really uh, mention to a lot of people, but we play basketball a lot. <laughs> the, the chess okay. team. Uh, we, we have... We we reserve our Saturdays sometimes we because Beg is open on Saturday and the uh, okay, golf yeah, courts, yeah. yeah. So we we reserve it for uh, scrimmages. Okay, yeah, yeah. We play I a lot. We play I a lot. I used to be blockmates with uh, with Jill. Jill Feliciano. So I would see yeah. So mm. I would see her posts. Don't but don't they win though? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the, well. The <laughs> Well, um, they won the first game, but after that, well, yeah. <laughs> we had to, we had, we had to return the favor, right? But for sure, for actually, sure. we also played UST, the UST chess team. They came over to oh, Ateneo cool. to play basketball with us, so it's our, it's a recreational thing, yeah. As yeah, a team. yeah. No, that's good also because, like, I mean, at least that, that, like you mentioned, you know, you need the physical aspect also. Yeah. So at least there's some, some sort of conditioning also. Okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> okay. Um, now I, uh, you know, going back to it, um. Every time uh, when people talk about chess, they, they always talk about being how many, uh, like two moves or three moves ahead, right? How, yes. but 
I don't know. I mean, that's obviously like a basic person thinking. So how does how do you know actual competitive chess players? How many moves ahead are you thinking? And you know how does that work considering that the person across the board is thinking like just as many moves ahead? Mm-hmm. Great. Also, another nice question. I want to ask you for me maybe just like for your opinion first. How many moves do you think? Uh, well, when I'm playing, I move. I think like two moves ahead. <laughs> Or like, how do so you? Like, what, what? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Um. Yeah. I mean, like when I play, obviously it's basic. So I'm thinking like two, maybe three moves ahead. Like you try to set someone up. Um. But then, I would assume, you know, for a for an athlete, for a, a competitive chess player to be at least five. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, that's very accurate. Because I have some friends who asked me before, Gavin, do you see the game from start to end? You know that kind of question. Honestly, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's uh, it's impossible. So you're actually <laughs> right. No, most actually, I attended a masterclass by Grandmaster Daniel Dubov. He's a Russian grandmaster, 38 in the entire world. Um, he had a masterclass, so I attended it. And his lecture, he lectured to us about his games, how to attack logically. That was the that was the the topic of the masterclass. And he he talked about his games and how he came up with those brilliant attacks, how he came up with those sacrifices, and like how did he see the combination from start to end, right? Mm-hmm. Although we have puzzles there, so what we do for the puzzles is we set a board, a position down on the board, on the table. No one is allowed to move the the pieces. You can only visualize them in your head. So that yeah. practices your mind as well. And you have to like sometimes we had one problem where it took us couple of hours to solve it's a 13 move night two two nights checkmate so that was really hard difficult um took us a couple of hours to finish it and we need we had some help also because like it was really really difficult but like yeah um in terms of that i think chess players don't really think how many moves ahead there's no exact number but i believe that chess players think in terms of logic if you know what i mean like they think does this move turn out to be logically acceptable or logically, mm. you know, um, right to me. Because sometimes a move can seem logical, but that's why it, you need to couple it with calculation because a move can seem yeah. logical. But when you play it out in your head, the scenario, it, it's not actually logical. So sometimes um, you have to pick out a move and you play it based on intuition. So what we do is we recognize a lot of patterns and we say, this is actually played pala by example. Um, We let's say studied this game by let's say um, Magnus Carlsen. He's actually the world champion right now. So let's say you analyze yeah. one of his games and you see he played this move here on this certain position, and let's say a similar position kind of arises in your own game. So your pattern, your your memory will tell you, oh, this was played against. This was played by the world champion. I think it's a good move, and it seems logical based on my own analysis. So I'll, I'll play it, and I, I'll I'll just think about what will happen afterwards. So. It depends, really. Sometimes it's just two moves, three moves. Sometimes if you're gonna sacrifice for a checkmate, seven, eight moves. So really depends. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, like um, like in any sport, I'm sure there's um kind of like a standard way everyone's taught how to play. Like for example, in basketball, you know, everyone has the proper has a has a proper shooting form. Um, teaches you how to dribble, box out, all of that stuff. Um, but. You know, you were talking about how obviously there are different styles, I guess, um, different approaches to, I guess, to start of the game. Um, but um, in these, in in like let's say basketball, there's 
there's like um there are some players who are successful even in an unorthodox manner. Like for example, you could have a funny shot, but it goes in. Obviously, I mean you're gonna make yeah, it, but then that. as long as it keeps mm-hmm. going in, right? Yeah, I know those so, people. Yeah. <laughs> so um you know it these kinds of like funny shots could kind of lead you to um kind of downplay or not take them seriously or you know not even guard them. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I wanted to know if there is a equivalent of that in in chess. Like, do, do are you playing and then you say, "Well, that was a stupid move," and then it kind of like and then yun pala it was a really good move. You know what I mean? Kind of. I don't Sorry know if there's if something I, like that. Maybe I'll try. I'm not sure if I understood your, your question correctly, but I'll try to answer it. Um, I think I know. I think I know what you mean. So. Whenever we train, whenever we train as a beginner, so you're saying as a beginner, right? Whenever we mm-hmm. um, train, we have we undergo the same standard training. Like for example, for you guys, it was um, the cones and then the dribbling. Because I yeah. took also a basketball camp in the past, so mm-hmm. I know the trainings there. And um, similar in chess, we have the same program. Also, we learn we learn the the three stages of the game. We learn basic tactics. We learn special moves. We learn combinations, basic combinations, and then from there, I think you mentioned about those those um, crazy forms where people shoot to the side like that. Yeah. Um, I think those develop over time as you continue to train on the standard the standard path. Like we all develop our own personality when when we play chess or when you play basketball, yeah. and I think that also applies to yeah, it applies to chess as well. That when you begin your own training and you learn you learn all these. Um, you learn all these techniques like the golden rules of chess for example or basic tactics basic basic positional analysis or or these types of things you develop your own personality as you go on mm-hmm. you develop your own style and unco- this is an, an unconscious process okay like for basketball you don't you don't think about your jump shot you know you do what yeah. what's most natural to you similar to chess you know it just develops by itself as as you go on, and that's what a chess coach's um job is to do, is to push your player to find out what kind of player he is, mm-hmm. you know, and trying okay. trying to trying to strengthen that and minimize the weaknesses as well of that play style. Yeah, okay, yes, okay. Um, now I mentioned earlier also that uh I I played table tennis. Um, I played one year in college yes. and um almost my whole high school, so um I think. If I'm not mistaken, our training centers are actually right yes. beside each other in Duigo. Mm-hmm. Um, um, okay, so I wanted to compare it now with table tennis. Um, obviously, we have doubles, but in general, it's a very individual sport. Um, but UAAP, I've noticed, has a tendency to make every sport very team oriented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I felt that you know I could clearly, I could really feel that in table tennis because it transformed from you know being you feel you're supposed to feel like you're on your own, but then um, our benches were would go crazy when we would be playing, yes. and um, so the, the you could really feel the team aspect. Aside from just aside from the fact that you know, obviously um, we need three three wins as a team to win the whole to win that match, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know in in chess, at least in, even just in the UAAP level, is there that kind of dynamic with you and with your teammates? Na parang it obvious it's definitely an individual individual sport. You guys don't even have like doubles, right? Mm-hmm. So, parang is there that sense of like you know being a team, being a sense of teamwork, I guess that comes in to play when you're when you're in in the in UAP chess. Okay. 
to to answer your question, yeah, um, yeah. Actually, chess is a very individual sport, but in in my experience as captain and as a member of the team for four years, I I'd, I'd like to disagree with the fact that chess is so individualistic. During my first three years, I actually I believed in that that chess was so individual, you know, because that was what I was I was so accustomed to, like knowing the fact that oh my my game is individual, my my teammates can't help me, so I'm I'm all alone. I'm I'm basically relying on myself to to win. But I, I think when I reached my fourth year, and I think we were, I, we were having a hard time in season 82. Because a lot, a lot of us, well, I mean, during that time, we didn't have, any, we didn't have a, a, deep, a deep bench. So imagine, okay. um, since in chess, we have six players in the team. Six players are fielded for UAP. And during um, the season, four get to play at a time. Mm-hmm. The thing with Ateneo um, is for our team, we have the exact same four players play for all, all the games. So, kumbaga, kung walang absent, lalaro lahat ng... So, I played all yeah. 14 games during the season. And around round 8, round 9, the fatigue came in. And I really felt the... like Midterms was coming up. Um, <laughs> a lot of my akads were coming. And our games were Saturday and Sunday. So, imagine yeah. it, it ate up my weekend already. And then, um, I have to set up to play chess for, for the school. But of course, that's not. I'm not complaining or anything. It's actually a great experience. But I just like to say, na chess team is really a, a team, a team effort. Because I think you're going through the same experiences as experiences with your teammates. Eh? The same stress, the same mm-hmm. problems, the same happiness, the same all these all experiences yeah. together. And one thing I like to notice, I've noticed also because you can finish your game early. Your four p, your four players playing at a time. And to beat another school, you need 2.5. So at least you need at least 2.5 to win. Um, it's one point for a win, zero for a loss, half half point for a draw. But you need 2.5. So if I see one of my teammates, for example, my let's say my Katabe, he was he's losing already, and then he he shake he shook the hand of his opponent and he resigned. Wouldn't you feel kind of demotivated knowing that yeah. your teammate just lost? And you cannot talk to him, so you need to wait for your game to finish before you can go there and and console, you know, you know, I'm not talking about right? it. It yeah. takes a toll on the team. Like imagine, let's say for me as a as a captain, imagine if I if I lost so early, let's say in the first 30 minutes, I'd lose my game immediately. How would my other teammates feel? Oh, our captain just died. Like you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like our captain just lost so fast. Like what 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 does that make make of me? You know that kind yeah. of like feeling. And I think that's overlooked a lot of times, right? That people think, oh, chess is individualistic because you're playing by yourself. But the thing is, you're all emotionally attached to each other. You're you and your teammates, mm-hmm. and that's that's yeah. the thing that makes it a team sport. But um, in terms of let's say national competitions, but it's usually because the tournaments locally is like tatlohan, dalawahan, apatan. If you don't have any emotional attachment to your teammates, I guess that's when it becomes more individual in a sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I, I wanted to share a little because um, I had a friend who made cuento. Um, he was in Babel. I forgot if this was high school or college. Mm-hmm. But he was in Babel. And I know he went to a chess um, event of Ateneo to cheer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but what happened was, I don't know if he was kicked out. But for sure, he, he's, he mentioned that he was cheering. I, I Okay, I, I'm not super accurate with the facts. But I know it was either every Atenean move 
or every Atenean uh, when 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 the Ateneo player eats um, a piece of the opponent. I really hope it was the eating because that's at least parang may nagawa I suppose to like just a normal move. Yes. <laughs> but so so he he would he went there to cheer and I think he might have gotten kicked out. So I wanted to know like what's the what's the vibe um, in a tournament? You know what I mean? Because like. <laughs> Even in table tennis, like you're supposed to keep quiet during like during play or during the serve, but once someone scores, you know, hiawan lahat. Eh. How how is it really like quiet the whole time in a in a chess um, competition? Yes. Okay. So if you want to know how it feels like to be in UAP chess, this is only what a chess player can feel. You know, even our managers say say the same thing, because our venue is in UST and we're all in one giant room. Once you go in the room, the, the the playing area, it's complete silence. Like, as in, the the room environment is super super serious. There's like no emotions. Everyone is just quiet. Everyone is just ready to play their game, and you really feel the the. That's what that's another another thing I want to say about online and physical chess. At home, if you're playing online chess, you can play music beside you. You can mm. listen to yeah. people maybe on your left or your right talking, right? So maybe if you're you're yeah, if you're with your family, you can hear them talking outside or talking somewhere or you know just watching YouTube or listening to videos, yeah. right? But if you're playing in a chess tournament, you really feel the environment around you, the the serene, quiet, like peaceful environment, and everything just falls falls in place, you know. Like um, you get to you get you get yourself composed too, like actually. Um, how would I say this? Actually, Babel asked me before um, when I was second year, Gavin, do we have to go to your games? I was like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't come anymore. Because like, although I'd, I'd love it if you support support the team, right? But yeah, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, chess is all about maintaining the silence. Actually, Gaidon had several issues also. Like, I had to ask for press passes for them because they were not even allowed to go in the venue without without an ID. Mm. They they were that controlled with who can go in, who can go out, yeah, and who can stay inside. Like even coaches are not allowed to stay in very long, because the players mm-hmm. need 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 their constant need need their need their um, full concentration on the board. Any because if you try to distract your player, uh, distract the player, that that can be considered kind of like a foul, you know, in basketball. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a technical also. So, you know, um, if Babel was there, it might even just harm the team rather than do good. So that's why I'd say maybe Babel can go, but. If they'd like to go, they can stay outside. But you know that that doesn't that doesn't seem so so good. Also, right? It doesn't yeah. look so nice. Yeah. So, chess tournament environment is really one of a kind. It's really quiet. Mm-hmm. Imagine taking the asset, you know, but more <laughs> quiet and more serious than that. Kind of like on that level. Yeah. That's the environment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of like taking the well, asset. So, how? Okay. I I, I want to compare it with um with the other sports. Now, there's like um. Like you kind of draw energy from the crowd in in, in other sports, and you kind of, like it, it hypes you up, it gets you aggressive. Um, so what's and that's the mindset that you go into with, with other sports. How what's your mindset when you go into into a chess competition? Like um, how I imagine it, because it's kind of like how how like if we look at these other sports, it's like how the coaches are. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's like you know bumping chess and everything, but the coach yeah. is like. Kind of straight face the whole time, thinking of you know the next move. So I mean, is that kind of like what you guys, um, what your mindset is like when you go into a competition? 
going in the competition yeah uh we have the same we have the same kind of mindset like actually what 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 we do before our routine before the uh, a game is we go outside because there's a waiting waiting area and there's the playing area so after we're while we're in the waiting area and it's almost 1 p.m we'd go outside and we'd gather in a circle and we'd we'd pray uh we'd pray and then after that coach will have some words for us like saying oh we're playing against feu Uh, good luck, guys. Don't stress out too much. You know the last minute reminders, all that, and then we yeah. we shout OBF after that. But um, in in terms of like the hype hyping up, that's what I mentioned earlier about being a team sport. Eh? No one can hype you except your teammates. Like yeah. they like um, there's a lot of non 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 verbal non non verbal comms when you play chess. Like because you after your game while you're playing, you can stand up and walk around. Example, it's it's oh, not yeah. your turn. It's not if it's not your turn to play, you can stand up and walk around the room and watch other people play. So what I'd normally do, example, if it's not my turn, I'd stand up and watch my teammates because I, I want to yeah. make sure that they get they get support also from me. That I say, oh, um, I'm watching you, so you know I'm I'm here for you, something like that. And if I see yeah. they're winning, that also hypes me up. Eh? Like, oh, this guy's winning. Okay, I'm gonna push for a win too. Like it hypes yeah, you yeah. up. So that's that's the team aspect because in in basketball, who 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 hypes up the game? It's the crowd. But there's no yeah. crowd, so who has to hype you up? It's your teammates. Mm-hmm. Your coach will okay. be there from time to time to watch you, and then they, sometimes I'd see my coach smile like that, that smile, <laughs> and then like they'll say like they'll nod a little bit, and I'm like, okay, this is this is good, you know. So yeah. those those little 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 things, I think those are what hypes up the game more than you know a crowd or an external force. Get you, okay. Um, now I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on um, over over your years of playing chess. Um, would you say that the sport has kind of grown in in the country in the Philippines? Um, like like, do you see more young people playing now? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So yes, actually, chess is continu- continually growing in the Philippines. I'm not sure if you wa- followed, but. We had a fundraiser event recently. The Ateneo alumni against the Lasal alumni. Yeah, yeah. We, we played. We played against them. The game ended in a complete tie, 72 all. <laughs> so that was so intense. But um, what that fundraiser was for actually was for the support of the NCFP children. So NCFP stands for National Chess Federation of the Philippines, mm-hmm. and they have they have a scholar program where they um, aid aid the aid the scholars in you know studying chess hoping one day that they'd become one of the best players in the Philippines but i believe that chess is very much alive in the Philippines and the community is very much um, very much there like there are different chess clubs all over the country you're just not aware of, maybe you're just not aware of it but we have a lot of chess clubs around the country and also internationally we have lots of players who are also um, starting their own chess clubs with the holding the Filipino flag For example, in Korea, they have the E9 Chess Club, which is all all Filipinos actually who are in Korea, working. So they have their own chess club there. So that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um. What do you? Uh, okay. Do you think? Because you know we talk about how Philippine, uh, how the Philippines is such a basketball-centric country, but at the same time, how we're a sm- uh, we're a short, short-heighted uh, population. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you think that the Philippines has a bright future in the international stage when it comes to chess? Actually, we already are. You okay. not, that, that's the thing about Philippine chess. Eh? Like, I, I might go on a bit of a rant here, but go <laughs> we actually we actually are succeeding very much in chess in the Philippines. 
I, I don't know if you know Wesley Saw. Are you? Do you know who Wesley yeah, yeah, Saw yeah. is? Okay, he's actually um, a homegrown Filipino, raised in Cavite, and um, there was a. Now he's in the U.S. playing for the U.S. already. Yeah. But when he was here in the Philippines, like oh my gosh, like he finished. He for a time he was second best in the entire world, and the Philippines let him go. Like yeah, it, it was the biggest frustration of 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 the the chess community that why did you let our best chess player leave for another country? You know, mm-hmm. we developed a chess player that can reach that can during a time was second best in the entire world and right currently world champion in chess 960 yeah so imagine and, and like that I still like, see him on the news he's still in the I still news see him on the news how good he is like that, that like how could you how could you let him go that kind of thing right and we also have like for example the the national the asians cup recently the philippines got third place um in the women's division and then in the mm. fide online olympiad recently that's with all the other countries in Division Two. The Philippines finished second place. So can you imagine? Imagine I think second place, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think second place. So imagine that we're we're such a strong we're such a strong a strong country. Um, and right now in December 12, um, the FIDE online cadets will happen, and those are for the youth, so under 18, under 15, under 13, and we have already a strong lineup ready for us for for that. So imagine we have a really good community. The problem is, I guess, it's just that we need more awareness. That the yeah. people need, need to know more. Need to know that basketball isn't the only sport in this country. There we have athletes who are succeeding in different in other sports. And not only yeah. succeeding, but really um become be really becoming world class, you know, players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we, we don't have a Filipino, uh, a full blown Filipino in the NBA. But we have yeah. a world champion, Wesley So, who's playing against Magnus Carlsen, Hikaru Nakamura, and all these people, right? So, see the, the difference there. People aren't really super, I guess, aware that we have aware. players that are that strong already yeah, in that level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so, you know, I like that you mentioned that we have, not even that we have a bright future, but we have a really bright present. Um, and that you were mentioning how, um, you know, the youth, like, like the, the the sport has really grown over the past few years as well. Um, uh, I wanted to get your personal take on um, how, how how would you suggest that you know people who are interested in starting in chess, whether they're whether they're young, whether they're old, um, you know how how do how do you what do you think would be the best approach for them to to get into the sport, um, both in the in a normal non-pandemic world. But also, you know, maybe even now while while we're still on on lockdown. So to begin with chess, actually, what I like most about chess is chess is for everyone. You know, in basketball, if you're if you're not born, if you're not gifted with 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 height, sad to say, you can only reach a certain level. Like if you're born, mm-hmm. let's say at five something, then you cannot ever you cannot ever play in like the NBA, for example. That's like yeah. a f- super far shot, right? But of course, there are people like Spud Webb, but I won't yeah, talk, yeah. About, talk about that. But like, um, you, know what, you know what I mean? Like, if you're not gifted when you're born, sad to say, you're until there only. Like the, Philipp- like the Philippines were, you, like you said earlier, were kind of like height challenged in terms of against like the US or like there. Yeah. But one thing I like about chess is everyone is equal. You know, we all have an equal ground. We all start equally. Like, um, we all have, we can all reach a certain level. We can all beat Magnus Carlsen, in other words. We all have the chance to beat him. 
And it, I guess in terms of those who are interested in chess to start, the, the main thing I would always ask my students when I, when I teach, I already had students, they, I always ask them, how committed are you to playing chess? That's the biggest question that I'm, I'm asking. Because, for example, like studying law, you need, you need a lot of time, you need a lot of effort to put into the game. And if you don't put that much effort into it, then where is it going to go, right? I'm going to tell you, these are, the, these are the rewards present in front of you. You can perhaps become the next world champion. Who knows? You can become the next um, prodigy. Who knows? But I'm, the main question I want to ask you first is how ready are you and how, how willing are you to commit yourself to this, to this path? Because for me, for example, I'm not also to the level of like Magnus Carlsen. That's really world champion level. But if I put in the time and effort, one day probably I can. Wesley can do it. I mean, why, why can't I, right? So in that, similar, in that similar thing, if those who are interested in chess to start, is I want them to have the right mindset first. Not thinking about playing yet. Put the board aside and think about your, your own, your, you should reflect first and think about your own, your own uh, mindset going into the game and your own, yeah. um, your own thoughts and your own commitments before you go in. But maybe if you want to be more on the technical side of those who really want to start chess, I'd suggest, you know, Start by learning the principles, basic principles. So, for example, play towards the center, um, develop your knights first yeah. before bishops, that kind of thing. Or don't bring out the queen too early. And from there, you know, just continue immersing yourself into the game. Maybe learn basic tactics and then get yourself more experience by playing against stronger people or just get yourself immersed more into the game. So that's, my, that's always my suggestion to my students and to those who want to start chess. Honestly, I don't remember exactly my training regimen when I was younger because it's hard to remember everything, especially when you've gone through yeah. so much already, right? But yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there. Okay. Um, okay. So I have a short segment, but um, right before that, I want to um, talk. I wanted to ask this because it's very relevant. Um, you've you've discussed this in one of your videos, and um, you know, for those watching on YouTube, I will link it somewhere here. Thank you. Oh. Uh, um, you you discussed in one of your videos, um, so I have to. Uh, no, okay, wait. You've already discussed this, so but I, you know, that I have to ask. Um, how popular? Um, because of how popular and how how good the reviews are with Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Um, how accurate is it? Both in like, um, not naman the story, because obviously, control them. But like, yes. <laughs> for for how they play, and I guess for how she how she is as a chess player, like is. Is what she goes through, um, you know, with the with the imagining the board on the ceiling, for example, and um, so how accurate is that uh, for for chess players off the board, and how accurate was the show with the moves um, on the board? Mm -hmm. I think the the show it's not the show's fault though. Before I I say what I have to say, the sh yeah. it's not the show's fault, but I think the show really sped up sped up the entire process. Like I've been playing chess for. If I'm not mistaken, going 11 years or 12 years now. So, imagine you cram 11, 12. But Beth is actually when she grad when the show finished, she was 22, and she started at the age of eight. How many years is that? 22 minus eight. That's um, 14. 14. Yeah. So, she was. That's 14 years of of uh, of a difference. And they crammed it into seven episodes. Imagine how fast her her development was. So I think that's the more um, inaccurate part. But I don't blame the show because they were limited to seven episodes, right? Yeah. But in terms of the, the accuracy of the show, in terms of what the players go through, I mentioned it also in my YouTube review that one thing I love most about the show 
is how they really emphasize the backdoor of a chess player. Like the backdoor, um, what the player goes through really when they when they play chess. It it gets you to a state of drunkenness. Like not literally, right? But emotionally, yeah. it does. Like I've had times when if I, if I lost my UAP game, I'd go home really sad, like really really depressed, to the point that I couldn't even do my homework. I couldn't even study properly. Because mm-hmm. if I had things to do, example, if I had the paper to finish by the next the next week. And I only had Saturday evening or Sunday evening to finish. I couldn't even do it because my mm-hmm. thoughts weren't weren't right. I'd always go back to the game and be like, "What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? I should have done this." And it bothers you so much. It it yeah. puts you in this state where you're you're going insane, you know, kind of going insane. And the show really did so well to encapsulate that um that that experience together. With regards to the um board on the ceiling, I I think that's also a bit inaccurate because like Magnus himself said it too. He he doesn't do that. Um. Okay. Normally, what chess player like for me, example, in Savior, because our classrooms they had they'd have square tiles on the floor, like okay. you know, um, yeah, like we had we had had tiles on the floor, or whenever I'm in someone else's place or house or like my my own place. Um, in the mall, like for example, if you see squares on the floor, what do you, what do you associate that with? Right? Instead of the ceiling where there's just uh, a plain white or a, a plain color of a ceiling, right? Rather than that, the floor I think is more. Uh, more accurate, mm. yeah. So in terms of the drugs and the 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 device, the, <laughs> the vices, we're not allowed to drink during season. So coach um, specifically tells us to not, we're not allowed to drink during season because it it messes up in your head, and it shows mm. naman with Beth that the more she got into the the drinks and all that, it it really messed up her head as well. In terms of the green pill, I'm I'm no comment on that. <laughs> I, 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 like of course, definitely UA, UAAP is very strict about that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but the uh, I I know they didn't like super show the whole game, but would you say that the moves or or the descriptions that you know she learned from the um uh, from from what's his name, Mr. Shaibel, for example, Shibble, or yeah. even the moves later on, were they were they accurate? Actually, the games uh the games in Queen's Gambit are based off real games, but not. Like the super famous games, and also the characters are based off real people. So, Borgov is actually a representation of Boris Spassky. Are you aware of who that guy is? Not, not super familiar. Oh, okay, so you mind if I if I um tell you more about Boris yeah, Spassky? Yeah, So what I like about Borgov, remember that last. If you sorry, this is a spoiler already. So, you know, so, sorry in advance. I'm going to spoil the seventh episode already. <laughs> But if you remember the last scene where um, Borgov stood up and said, this is your game, right? gave the peace to Beth. One of the best moments in sports history was actually again when, when Boris Spassky played against uh, Bobby Fischer in the 1972 World Championship. During that time, it was the Cold War. And it was really a struggle between the US and the USSR. And one of the main weapons that they used during that time was chess. That's why the Queen's Gambit was so perfect because it's also placed during the time of the Cold, the Cold War. Where the U.S. and the U.S.S.R. were really on a on a struggle, you know, for for propaganda and all that thing, all those all those things. But um, what happened during that the actual game was Bor- was Boris Paskey stood up from from his table after after Bobby Fischer played this wonderful game against him, and what he just did was clap, you know, saying well well played, said that well played. He clapped in front of his in front of his opponent and like gave him like. You know, like the respect that he deserved, that he was actually really good, and the crowd stood up and clapped for Bobby Fischer as well. So that was a really great moment in history, in chess history. 
Like, imagine if your opponent stands up and claps for you. That's yeah. something that no one does, right? And I think the show really did so well in portraying that. In terms of the game, mm-hmm. though, the moves, I'd say some of them, yeah, they're from base of some are based off real games, but not actually the super popular games like the you know world championship games. But yeah. sort of, yeah, they're they're accurate as well. Okay, but I, um, you know, there have been reports because of this show how you know there's been such a huge rise in like the sale of chess boards mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I guess you know, um, as you mentioned, you know, the grow this sport has been growing. Um, I I think this would this wouldn't this would be just it, it would just be a big help in in addition to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Um. To end, with, uh, I just have this short segment that I always have with all my guests. So you mentioned already that you uh sorry, it's called change court change sport. So you mentioned already that you um that you've tried out basketball in the past. Um, but I wanted to ask: is there any is there any other sport that you've I don't know maybe back of your head you've always been interested in trying like you've always always been curious about? Um, I've played several sports already, um, and actually still playing them. I've played basket. I've done swimming, I've done ping, uh, table tennis actually. So I played in drums in Xavier for table tennis because you're not allowed to play in the varsity if you're a sport in Xavier. So let's say you're playing okay. for your class, you can't play chess. I, can, I cannot choose chess as my sport. So I chose, I chose table tennis. Um, maybe if I were to try a, a new sport, I don't think it would be exactly a sport but more of a recreational activity. So okay. one thing I'd really like to try or I really like to get myself more into is mountain mountain biking. Um, okay. Probably hiking or yeah, all the sorts. Yeah. yeah. So more of the individual sports, but really recreational. Okay. Um, last one. In the Philippines, who would you say is your favorite athlete, but from a different sport? Tyler Tio, my opinion. Not only because, of course, he's savior. <laughs> yeah. He's my batchmate. He's my batchmate. So, of course, I want to support the. I'm gonna support the guy. Uh, shout out if you're there, Tyler. <laughs> he's my he's my batchmate and savior. And I, I what I like most about him, in terms of his attitude, is really a very humble person. And you see the way he plays; it's very solid as well. Plays yeah. basketball very solid, and he contributes a lot to his team. You know, I think he's really a great athlete, a very simple athlete. One who doesn't really boast a lot, but one who who stays humble and really just focuses towards his game, you know, because it's so easy to get distracted with the crowd and so easy to get pulled away from reality. But he always just stays focused in, in what he does. So that's what I admire most about him. Yeah, he's he's been good ever since what, high school. I, I played against him and I was a batch. I'm a batch ahead, right? So we were like mm, yes. older guys, but we were playing against the in you guys in a lower batch. And he, he destroyed us. <laughs> Tyler, yeah. Tyler, I don't know if you know Sina Rafi, Romulo, Tyler Tio, Justin mm-hmm. Velez, Austin. These are all my batchmates in Saviors yeah, basketball yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, Saviour does have a have a really good, has a like top-notch basketball program. Team. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that's it, I guess. Um, do you have, I guess, any... Any message to all the Philippine chess fans, uh, Philippine sports supporters in general? So guys, uh, to all those who are watching this podcast, uh, I'm Gavin and my goal in life, really my vocation, is really to, to continue to play chess and love chess as much as possible. I'm here to improve Philippine chess. So 
um, just wait and see the pro the process is coming you know I'm I'm building building myself for that um, vocation I guess okay like I mentioned earlier I'm gonna try to link the video up here but if not it will also be in the details below and I think if I'm not mistaken Gavin gives out chess lessons so for those interested you can message him also Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode. Please don't forget to like and comment. Um, you can let us know what you thought about this episode and what other sports that you'd want us to, to talk about. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Um, I'm also, you can also check out our other episodes and you can also check out Gavin's videos and Gavin's channel. I'm going to link it down below or you can probably see it here if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks again and see you right here on the next episode of Sports Season.